All right. Um, I need your participation today. Maybe this is just because I'm nosy. But are there any Seinfeld fans in the house? You guys like Seinfeld? If, if, you, if you're a true fan of that sitcom, then you, you probably remember an episode where George Costanza, who, by the way, is um, the most bothersome, annoying of the four main characters on that show, but he, he was boasting about his prowess in quitting. He's a quitter. If you remember, you might remember what he said, and I'm quoting, I'm a great quitter. It's one of the few things I do well. He said, I come from a long line of quitters. My father was a quitter. My grandfather was a quitter. I was raised to give up. Now, there, there's an element of humor in quitting, especially if it's on a situation comedy. But if you are in a situation where you want to quit, where you want to give up, or if you have been impacted by someone someone else's decision to quit, then you know that there's absolutely nothing funny about it. Gordon MacDonald, in his compelling book, A Resilient Life, opens the book with this story, and I'm going to quote it. When my mother died some years ago, I telephoned a very different cousin to pass along the news. Not different. I'm sure she was different. Distant cousin. <laughs> I'm... I'll be with you in a minute. A very distant cousin. I did that every time I read that story, by the way, for the past three days. Distant cousin to pass along the news. Our conversation lasted far longer than I had anticipated because she began to tell me stories about my mother's family that I had never heard. My mother was the last of eight children born into a Swedish immigrant family. Now with her death, all eight were gone. Your mother's family was a bunch of quitters, my cousin said bluntly. When life toughened, the brothers drank, the sisters complained, and then they simply gave up and died, one by one. He writes, that remark haunted me long after the telephone call ended. Quitters, she'd said. Not a particularly ennobling thing to say about a family line. McDonald goes on to talk about how he realized, looking back at his life, that the quitting gene had actually been passed on to him because he was always inclined to get out when the going got tough. It was as if he was raised to give up. Now, you, you may be wondering, why in the world are we talking about quitting? Because quitting is one factor that can be directly correlated to the languishing life. Unfinished honeydews, unfinished books, incomplete degrees, abandoned projects of self-improvement or New Year's resolutions, those can all be devastating. All of them can be devastating to our dreams of flourishing. Not because any or all of those things will destroy us, but because they make us feel like quitters. They take the spark out of our souls 
When, when we leave things unfinished, it's like life, the life that we were created to live, is left on the cutting room floor. Our, our stories are untold because they haven't been lived to the full. They are our stories somehow unfinished. Now, for this reason, it should come as no surprise to you that when Peter lists the virtues that God provides for us to flourish, those, those noble characteristics that we must add to our faith to ensure that we're living the life that God created us to live, it should be, come as no surprise that the virtue of perseverance makes the list. We've been reading from 2 Peter chapter 1. If you have your Bibles and you want to follow along there, we're going to go back to that passage of Scripture where the pathway to flourishing is spelled out with crystal clarity. 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. He says, For this very reason, make every effort... Put forth some effort. Resolve yourself to add to your faith. That's the presupposition. You have faith in Christ Jesus. That's where the flourishing life begins. To add to your faith goodness. And to goodness add knowledge. And to knowledge self-control. And to self-control perseverance. And to perseverance Godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fruitful, productive, effective life in the name of Christ is the flourishing life. So, what do we need to do to flourish? We need to add certain elements. To our faith. Perseverance. A willingness to hang in and not quit. Must be added to our faith. So so what is perseverance? Dictionary.com defines it this way. It is steady persistence in a course of action or purpose. Especially in spite of difficulties obstacles, or discouragement. It's hanging in, especially in spite of difficulties, obstacles, or discouragement. In short, perseverance is what's called for when you want to quit. Perseverance is what's called for when you want to quit. Now, now I think we all know when we think about perseverance, we know what it means to persevere day to day, right? It's about finishing what we started. We, we, we want to avoid being labeled as a quitter. We know, because we've heard it all of our lives, that when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So we aspire to be people who are recognized as having finished what we started, no matter the difficulties that we encounter. So we keep going. As MacDonald pointed out, we we don't want to be labeled a quitter because that is not a particularly ennobling designation. But it's important to ask this question. When the Scripture tells us to add perseverance to our faith, is that what God had in mind? 
Was he concerned that we not be labeled as quitters? Was he commanding us to do whatever it takes, resolve, make every effort to shun the label of a quitter? No, he wasn't. How do I know that? Because God's word doesn't really concern itself with labels. It doesn't. There is one time. There's the time where God tells us to live above reproach. That is where we consider that people are watching our lives and we want to live in a way that reflects the righteous call of God on our lives. That is living above reproach. But God's wisdom for our lives rarely, if ever, rarely, if ever, directs us to make choices motivated by what people think about us. It's not there. You won't find it. Instead, we are to be concerned with God's perspective. By the way, that's at the heart of what Jesus was telling his guys. He gathered the disciples around him and he said, Listen, don't fear man and what they can do to you, but rather fear God. In other words, don't live your life afraid of what other people think about you. Live your life concerned with how God sees you. So when it comes to the perseverance that we are to add to the faith, there is much more to it than managing our image. That's not what it's about. Biblical perseverance is not about mitigating or eliminating embarrassment. It is about preparing for the future. Perseverance is about what will happen or could happen if we hang in. It is doing everything to cooperate with God's vision for transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Why should we be concerned with that? Because that's exactly when we flourish. Now when we dive into Scripture... We study perseverance. What what we discover is the Bible tells us that there are actually two things that generate the perseverance that God wants us to add to our faith. There are two, essentially, sources of perseverance. Now, the first source of perseverance is revealed in Romans chapter 5, verse 3. I'm going to mention a couple of verses today that you might want to jot down on your sermon notes provided in the seat back in front of you if you want to go back and look at them. But Romans chapter 5, verse 3 gives us insight into the first source of perseverance. Take a look at Romans 5, 3. Not only so, but also we also glory in our sufferings. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Really? Suffering produces perseverance. Now, if if you're thinking critically about what that verse says... you're probably inclined to think, well, that, that really doesn't make any sense at all. Because the, the truth is that suffering and hardship are not typically things that we associate with motivators to stay the course. Right? 
They're, they're not things that we think, oh, I'm going to keep going, keep going because I'm suffering. The fact is, suffering and hardship are circumstances that inspire us to quit. Not to keep going. I mean, let's be honest. How many people do you know that are thinking about or have walked away from the faith because of spring or hardship? We hear about it all the time. Whether, whether that suffering or hardship is the consequence of their own decision making or it's just the hand they've been dealt in the fallen world, many people want to abandon belief in God because of hardship and suffering. They either think that suffering disproves the existence of God or it reveals that God is not who we think He is because how can a good, all-powerful, loving God let me or the people I love suffer. So when we're suffering, a natural fallen world response to that pain is to quit. And so because their circumstances make them want to quit their life, the one they're living, the experiences they're having... They also want to quit on God. Yet, Romans 5.3 says that suffering is a necessary ingredient to perseverance. Still doesn't really make any sense. Not until we stop and realize there are two ingredients to perseverance. Two sources of perseverance. And... I need to say, if the second one is not present, then suffering will only ever be debilitating. If you don't have the second ingredient that creates perseverance in your life and soul and leads to flourishing, then the presence of the first ingredients will only ever make you want to quit. Both must be present to produce perseverance. So what is the second source? It's revealed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Take a look at this verse. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by, say it, hope. Your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we know that Paul, as he opened all of his letters to churches in the New Testament, he spent some time telling them about what he admires about their faith. And so in this letter to the, to the Thessalonians, he talks about all the things about their walk that brought him great delight. Their faith that led them to work for the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, he says that work is actually a labor of love. It inspired him. He was delighted by their labor of love for the cause of Christ. Now, incidentally, that word labor indicates that they were suffering for the work. They were paying a price to do the work of advancing God's kingdom on earth just as it is in heaven. 
They were taking up their crosses. They were daily dying to themselves and sacrificing for the cause of Christ. So he's celebrating the work, the labor of love that they bring to the table for the purpose of expanding God's kingdom. Then he mentions their endurance. See, I thought we were talking about perseverance. Well, it's the same Greek word for perseverance. What inspired it? Do you remember? Look, look again at verse 3. We remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, which was a labor prompted by love. It was a labor of love. And the second thing we're celebrating is your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Their endurance which was necessary because they were suffering in their labor of love, their endurance or perseverance was inspired by or sourced by hope. And there it is. It's hope. Now, we get that one, right? It makes perfectly good sense to us. We persevere because we believe that if we stay the course with God, there is hope. We have hope that in the end, when we get through all the pain and hardship and suffering, when we've carried our baggage across the finish line, we believe that what we receive from God is better than anything we could receive without Him. That's hope. What we receive from God is better than anything we could receive without Him. So we persevere in God, in faith in Jesus Christ, because we believe that God knows what's best and is ultimately committed to doing it. Now, you might be thinking, I wish you would hurry up. Well, if he did, then you wouldn't have an opportunity to add perseverance to your faith. Right? And perseverance is a necessary virtue to flourishing. Now, here, here's what we know. No question about it. We're going to suffer with or without God. Right? Doing life with God, we experience suffering. Doing life without God, we experience suffering. Jesus said in every life, a little rain's going to fall, a little sun's going to shine. There are common graces... There's common suffering. But I hope you understand that doing life with God gives us the hope that our suffering will be redeemed. That God can take the hardship that we experience and spin it, transform it for good. With God, there is the hope of good coming from hardship. You know the verse, right? God works all things together for good. That is, good things and bad things, suffering and hardship. He works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called and committed to His purpose. That gives us hope. Provides hope. And hope sources perseverance. So, two ingredients necessary 
for the perseverance that leads to flourishing. What are they? Suffering and hope. Both suffering and hope. Now, my hunch is that you would agree, I hope you do, that you would agree that hope makes perfectly good sense. It, it is a necessary part of perseverance. But you may still be struggling with suffering. Why is suffering necessary? Couldn't, couldn't, we, couldn't we just have hope and persevere? Couldn't, couldn't just, just our hope lead to perseverance that when added to faith makes our life flourish? Well, the answer is no. Suffering and hope. You, you know, we, we say this all the time, or I do, and maybe you've heard, <laughs> I hope you've heard me, but we say, in the absence of doubt, there's no need for faith. Okay, think about that. In the absence of doubt, if I didn't have doubts, I wouldn't have to choose faith. Okay, consider this. If I, I, I have never doubted that two widgets plus two widgets makes how many widgets? Four widgets, right? You take two widgets and add them to two widgets, and you always have four widgets. So, I don't have to have faith in the equation two plus two equals four. It's true. I don't need faith. I've never doubted it. Combine two plus two widgets, and you get four. Well, I want you to think about the fact that the same thing holds true with perseverance. In the absence of suffering, there is no need for perseverance. Suffering actually creates the perfect conditions for perseverance because suffering and hardship make us want to what? Quit. And if you don't want to quit, you don't need to persevere. Suffering and hardship makes us want to quit, so therefore we need perseverance. But when we add hope to suffering, we find not only a reason to persevere, more than just not being labeled a quitter, we find not only the reason to persevere, but we also find the willpower to persevere. What we discover is that God inspires and enables us to persevere through difficulty. All right, now, let's just stop right here for a second and think about what we know. I think we know this to be true in every life. As a resource, there is never any shortage of suffering, right? I mean, supply always exceeds demand. There's always a surplus of suffering. Now, we know that suffering may vary in degree, right? Some of it is much more painful than others. Some people may be suffering far more than you are. But it's always there. It's always present. 
There's always something wrong. There is always something that makes us want to quit. Right? Big things or little things. Significant things or seemingly insignificant things. There's always something going on making us want to quit. Why is that? Because we have an enemy who is committed to our languishing. Our enemy's express mission is to steal, kill, and destroy the life that Jesus Christ came to give us. If we have eternal life through faith in Jesus, then what he wants to destroy is the flourishing life. So, because we have an enemy who's committed to our languishing, he's always happy to supply us with suffering. There's a glut of suffering. By the way, he does it if we fail to do it for ourselves by making poor decisions. But sometimes we create our own suffering. That's the truth about suffering and hardship. But hope is different in every way, isn't it? There is not a surplus of hope. There is a deficit. Despair and hopelessness seem to be the rule. It's almost as if hope has fallen victim to the supply chain crisis. It's stuck on some boat somewhere else. And we can't get to it. It's hard to find. And it is the deficit of hope that we need to address if we're going to add perseverance to our faith. We just need to accept the reality of suffering. But then we need to do our part to add hope to suffering so that we can persevere. So, here's the question. How do we establish the hope we need... For perseverance. What do you need to do? What do I need to do to ensure that I'm not quitting? But not just not quitting, that I'm fighting the good fight. That I'm living in the inspiration and power of God so that I can see, ultimately see the redemption of my suffering. Now, the key to living with hope and therefore unleashing the power of perseverance in our lives begins with going back to the root of it. Literally, we need to go back to the root word perseverance in Scripture and understand what God is calling us to do. Now, the Greek word for perseverance is a compound word. It is hupomone. Okay, hupomone. Mone means to abide. Hupo means under. The word perseverance literally means to live under. To live under. Now, there is an idea we might be tempted to limit the meaning of that word to our willingness to live under the pain of suffering. Okay? And there may be an element to that, but do we have any choice? I mean, we, we might find creative ways to 
experience relief. There may be some shortcuts we could take to alleviate the pain of our suffering, but those always create more suffering. There are long-term consequences to shortcuts. Always. So there is an element to we've got to live under these circumstances, okay? But, but that's actually just a small part of it. The, the better way to think about it is as an admonition to abide with and under God. It is to abide with and under God. When we live under His truth and under His vision for our lives, then we have hope. You remember way back when we started this series, we said that all those virtues that we're to add to our faith are virtues that God gives us. That means He enables us to add those virtues to our faith so we can flourish. And what were they? they were goodness, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance. They all come from God. They are all graces of God. And He dispenses them to those of us who choose to seek them. So, the closer we are to God, the more we abide with Him, as Jesus encouraged us to do, the more we experience those virtues. The, more we, the better capacity we have to choose to add those virtues to our faith. So, the closer we are to God, the more we look to and wait on Him. We sang about it today, and that's a key. Living under God means that we look to and wait on Him. The more we do that, the more likely we are to experience the manifestation of those virtues. Okay? Now, as it relates to perseverance, through the prophet Isaiah, and this is a verse you should jot down. If you have your Bible, turn to it, circle it, highlight it, whatever you need to do, memorize it. But God said through the prophet Isaiah that when we want to quit, if we have hope in Him, if we are abiding under Him, then He will ensure that we persevere. The verse is Isaiah 46, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 4. Listen to what God says. I love this because uh, I feel like in the first line he's talking to me. Even to your old age and gray hairs. Right? Even to your old age and gray hairs. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I am he who will sustain you. What, what is Sustaining, that is enabling us to persevere. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain and rescue you. You know what God's glorious, gracious message is there? It is that when you don't think you can carry on, when your baggage is just too heavy to carry, when the circumstances of suffering, and that is even suffering old age, have convinced you that it's time to quit, 
God will sustain you. If you're abiding under Him, God will sustain you. If necessary, He says, He who made us is willing to carry us across the finish line. When we don't see a way out, a way through, or a way over. When we are convinced that our suffering is going to finish us, God steps in and says, I will sustain you, I will rescue you. Now in those cases, our responsibility is just to wait on God. Oh, the waiting's the hardest part, isn't it? In, in those cases, there's just nothing else we can do. We have, to re, we have to wait on God, relying on His sustaining grace to give us the strength to persevere. I will sustain you. Now, in Isaiah chapter 40, he speaks to the importance of waiting. By the way, waiting in the Old Testament is just another word for hope. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, beginning in verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Who's weak? It's the people who are they're just not sure they can get across the finish line. And by the way, we talked about old people a minute ago, but even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall under hardship and suffering. But those who hope in the Lord, your version might say those who wait in the Lord, those who live under the Lord, what happens? Will renew their strength. Their strength will be renewed. They'll actually soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Sometimes in God's power we soar like the eagles. Sometimes we have the capacity to run through the difficulty. But sometimes we're so wounded and hurting that we, we just walk. That's all we can do is walk. But at least we're moving. And in God's power, we will not be so faint that we want to quit. All of that hinges upon waiting. That's the faith aspect, the mental aspect of hope. We just wait. Hope in the Lord. Trust Him. And sometimes He'll carry us. take us across the finish line. But it's not all God carrying us. He empowers us. What does Isaiah say about those who wait on the Lord? He 
enables them to soar. He enables us to run. And when we can't do anything else, He'll help us walk. There is certainly an aspect of hope that leads to perseverance that is completely dependent upon God. He provides hope. But there's another side to this. And is at some point, hope must be applied to action. At some point, hope must be applied to action. At some point, having been sustained by God, we have to activate. The writer of Hebrews makes this abundantly clear. In Hebrews chapter 11, we have a faith hall of fame where all these people who chose not to quit, who just pushed through, are supposed to inspire us to what? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, that sin that trips us up. And let us run with perseverance. Run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. How do we do that? By fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured, persevered through the hardship, endured the cross, scorning its shame. There wasn't anything he liked about it. He scorned the shame of the cross. But he persevered. And after having died, God raised him from the dead and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We know that Jesus was tempted to quit. You know, the temptation at the beginning of his ministry didn't end with those three tests. Luke says that the enemy departed until a more opportune time came to tempt him. And what more opportune time was there than when Jesus was facing the hardship of the cross, when he, under God's vision for his life and through God's love for our forgiveness, when he would suffer and die on the cross, a cruel, undeserved death, Jesus said, hey, God, if Father, if there's any way out of this, I'll take it. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He hated the thought of dying on the cross as any person fully human would. But he endured. He persevered. Why? Because of his great love for us. 
died on the cross, was buried in the tomb. Three days later, God raised him from the dead. God brought him to life and carried him across the finish line. And what the writer of Hebrews tells us is that when you are suffering, when you want to quit, fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the author. He is the way to the life we were created to live. He is the perfecter. He got it right. So if we follow in his footsteps, we fix our eyes on Jesus, then we can run with perseverance. We can activate and experience the flourishing life we were created to live. How do we flourish? We must add perseverance to faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is simply trusting Jesus to give us life. And when we trust Him with our lives, we can trust Him with our future. No matter the hardship or the suffering that, that you're experiencing right now, the message is to abide with God, to fix your eyes on Jesus, and He will ensure flourishing by enabling you to finish. To stay the course. Now let's just be honest. Your life might not look like you thought it would look right now. The baggage that you carry isn't baggage you would have picked out. The hardships you don't want anything to do with them. It's okay. But we can't do anything about it. Oh, maybe we can. Maybe we can persevere through them. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll see the good that God intends to bring from those circumstances as He redeems our suffering. Two questions today as we close. Do you have faith in Jesus? Have you accepted His offer of forgiveness when He suffered and died on the cross? That's the beginning of life. He promises eternal life in heaven with God and abundant life, which is flourishing life. Do you have faith? Number two, are you adding perseverance to your faith? If, if you don't persevere, you languish. If you persevere, you flourish. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, there are so many times where the challenges of life cause us to want to quit. They cause doubt, which we know creates the perfect opportunity to faith, for faith. The suffering that we experience 
creates the conditions that are perfect for quitting. But we don't want to quit, Lord. We want to persevere. I pray, Father, that by your grace, that you would help us add perseverance to our faith. Give us the wisdom to see that you can redeem suffering in the confidence, in the resurrection power, in your resurrection power to believe you can bring hope and life out of the devastation of suffering. We thank you, Father, for the capacity to flourish. Give us the wisdom to abide with you. It's in the very strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you're thinking, wondering about where you are in the journey, if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that's the beginning point of making all the suffering and hardship make sense. Because we're going to suffer. There's overabundance of suffering. But hope comes from God. It begins with faith in Jesus. If you haven't come to the place where you've placed your faith in Christ, then there's no better day than this one to do so. All you do is believe. Christ did all the work. You believe. He died for you, was raised from the dead. And the scripture says you will be saved, sustained, rescued, from a meaningless life that ends in separation from God. And if you have been, if you have placed your faith in Christ, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't ever, ever give up. Because God will sustain you and empower you to persevere. Thank you for joining us this weekend. We're going to stand on our feet and close in worship.